Hello, and welcome back to the sixth episode of the Local Matters Podcast. I'm joined again here today with Ethan. Hello. And Charlie. Hello. And I'm, of course, Patrick, and today we're going to be talking about Americanization. So, with our usual trend, first off, we'll go into a definition. Uh, Americanization is uh, defined as the influence American culture and business has on other countries outside of the United States including things like media, such as TV, cuisine, business practices, popular culture, technology, or even political techniques. Um, and this has been a term that's been around, uh, according to this, uh, since about 1907, um, but is a lot more prevalent now. And, and uh, to put it simply as well, it sort of is the default nature of American culture among the West and how uh, omnipresent it is through all elements of Western society. Um, so it impacts everything from economic issues, cultural issues, and uh, political issues as well. So we'll probably start off with cultural. I think that's the most accessible point to go from. Uh, so there's lots of examples of this, like TV, food, uh, language. Is there anything any of you guys are particularly interested in uh, talking about? I mean, Hollywood is the uh, biggest and best known example. Um, it's where almost all of our films come from, uh, straight to our cinemas, straight to our TVs. I mean, you could talk about the um, the cultural monopoly that um, American yeah. culture then ends up having on the media that we consume, right? So yeah. then, American ideology is is um, is put into these films. You know, these these films are generally made by American directors with an American cultural perspective, which reflects back on on how we consume them. Um, so, it's it's very easy to identify americanization but to define why americanization is a dangerous thing um is a lot harder to do yeah it does have subconscious effects on um the social elements of our society and they're very difficult to see and when talking about americanization it's very probably very easy to come across as talking about something that's not there but of course these tv shows and films are almost all of our media content and through that we absorb all this American culture, uh, which is different to ours. Mm-hmm. And it slowly sort of shifts um, cultural leanings and perspectives towards an American model. Um, and, and it is sort of uh, up in the air. and it's, it's hard to sort of take into reality, but there are a lot more physical realities of Americanization, and that, that can be seen in the political side of things, right? So if you think about uh, things like NATO and how beholden we are to US military interests, uh, pulling ourselves into foreign wars in the Middle East, uh, America wanting to base nukes in the country. You know, things like this are practical and real, tangible effects of Americanization, where America's dominance over Europe uh, since sort of the end of the Second World War and, and through the Cold War um, can really be seen. Uh, we've essentially become a much more lax version of the Eastern Bloc in the sense that we are beholden to America just as Poland might have been beholden to Russia in the sort of 60s and 70s. It's a lot more subtle and it's a lot more cultural than it is forceful, but all the same we are very much bound to American interests. And achieving that uh, cultural and political independence uh, I think is really, really important uh, for us to start looking at our own unique political models, because currently the American system is something that's um, creeping its way into our own politics as well. 
It's understandable why a lot of European countries became influenced by the US after the, in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War. You know, economically with economic devastation and basically general political collapse. But now, with the end of the Cold War, any alternative to the American system seems to be very well. It's really untolerated. Is really not tolerated by America, and you can see this, I think, quite clearly with the example of the EU army. They are quite keen on the formation of such an army as long as it was subservient to NATO. But the suggestions that some people have made that this army would be independent of NATO is completely shut down by American military strategists, which shows essentially how beholden our military interests are to that country. I think the Soviet bloc example uh, is a really good comparison, especially since Brexit. I mean, we still don't know where we stand in terms of trading with the EU, but we are definitely going to rely on America more now, whether it's a little or a lot more. And yeah, we are sort of like a slowly a cultural puppet state almost. Mm-hmm. I think cultural Americanization basically substitutes the local roots of a country in a way, if you know what I mean. So children now in this country, for example, are raised on American films and American media. And I'm not saying this in some kind of, you know, back in my day, I think, because obviously we're both, we're all really young. But it's, you can see the dominance that American myths and themes have now I think that has the effect of almost alienating us from our identity in a way. It's as if we're some kind of wayward American culture rather than an English culture uh, in our example. Yeah, definitely. It's quite clear to see that, you know, over time, if if all of the media you're consuming is based in, in another culture, um, elements of that are going to slip through. Right? Any, any media made from any country uh, is going to have cultural bias when the vast majority of our media is produced in Hollywood. And I'm not saying the films are bad, but you're going to have um, that sort of cultural osmosis that sort of leaks its way into society, and you can see that. I mean, a lot of people I know uh, in school but would used to spell things uh, in American formats and say things in, American, in an American way. Uh, and they, they seem really minute, Um at face value, and, and I'm sure it's easy to think, you know, why does this matter? Um, but the 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 short of it is that it's our culture being diluted. It's our culture slowly and slowly being uh, chipped away at and replaced by something that's not ours. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with American media, but I'd much rather see um, local media. Be, be far more prevalent because I think first off it'd be great to be able to produce our own content for our own people uh, in terms of business and economics uh, but at the same time those cultural elements that are intrinsic to us I think um, would be able to be shown a lot better too and I think if you actually look at a lot of locally produced media I mean generally it, it's stuff that people um, identify more with if you think about things like um the English Office, if you think about things like the English version of The Inbetweeners. Doctor uh, Who. Doctor Who. All of these uh, British media staples are actually a big part of our culture because they're, they're relevant to us. But at the minute, we're not producing enough to, to not be consuming a mass amount of American media. Um, and it's, it's not anything anti-American within of itself. I mean, if it was a same issue with French media and we were consuming, you know, masses and masses of French films, that'd be the same problem. 
It's um, sorry. Go no, go I'm finished. It's just replacing the most integral parts of culture, as you said, like languages, you know, the very stories that we tell each other. I mean, the amount of American historical stories people would know versus the amount of historical English stories people would know is, you know, it's completely unbalanced. And it's, <laughs> it's almost got the effect of cutting the roots off of a tree, if you know what I mean, because these things, languages, stories, aspirations, hopes, and dreams are what create the cultural and political reality of the world. Yeah. And any sort of generation that was watered in a way with American culture will bloom in an American way, not in an English way, in terms of politics, uh, culture, society in general. And I think you can see the way that countries have run as well as the way societies organize themselves in the West in the past two generations or so are almost more American than European because the two used to be quite distinct, didn't they? Yeah, it, it is slowly and slowly over time uh, becoming a stronger and stronger grip. Um, I think the cultural side of it is more subconscious. I, I think there's economic reasons behind that. I don't think there is any particular, you know, evil cabal trying to push American culture on us. Um, I think it, it, from an economic sense, makes sense that a lot of our media is American. Um but it is it is doing damage to our, our sort of cultural roots, and it's something that we need to look into. Um, my my issue stems more from the political side of things, where I can see um, American uh, politics trying to to wrangle European politics uh, into their own interests. Um, as we've already talked about NATO, uh, but I think a bigger example of this is the Middle East. You can see that. Um, what they're essentially trying to do in countries like Iraq uh, and Libya is uh, impose an American model. Uh, they're wanting to bring the American system to countries um, on the other side of the world that um, largely don't want it um, and don't need it. Um, of course, a lot of the countries they've intervened in are you know, under dictatorships or civil war or X, Y, or Z. Um, but the belief that America knows what's best for these people rather than the people themselves, um, I think is a really poor angle to take. It's, it's almost colonial in the sense that, oh, we know better than you. It's okay. You know, poor little third world country. We'll show you how to do democracy properly. I think, um, partly, I think it is a belief of superiority of system and, and values. Uh, and partly, I think it is this American imperialism, which takes place in a variety of different forms, be it military and be it cultural or be it economic. Um, there is so much. I mean, Charlie touched on this earlier, right? There's so much economic ties we have as well, um, which is something we've barely even scratched the surface of. But the economic dependency we have on America and Europe has on America is massive. Like, I don't think people fully appreciate the, the economic juggernaut that America really is um, and how massively influential that is in our day-to-day lives. Yeah, I mean, let's go back to this war point for a minute. Um, we followed America into war in Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Sudan, and it's of no benefit to us. Um, there's no reason for our soldiers to die in these foreign countries um, because America wants to show them, um, like you said, Patrick, how to do democracy. It's it's patronising, most of all, um, but it's also a loss for us. 
and as well, when uh, America goes to war with these countries uh, and they create you know, mass refuge and uh, these refugees travel north to uh, more prosperous countries within Europe, America doesn't have to deal with that issue. Um, you know, we had the migrant crisis. America doesn't have that. Um, I mean, it has mass immigration from Mexico, but that's not because of war. That's just poverty. Um, but America causes these problems you know, in the Middle East and Africa, and these people come to Europe and become our economic burden, and America has no issue with that. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, economic incentive for uh, America to keep that up. Uh, first of all, uh, military dependency and cooperation with America is, is massively beneficial to American arms production and, and a lot of American manufacturing. And then second off, America generally... Uh, has a lot to gain in these conflicts, uh, be it oil, be it, um, you know, a new quote-unquote puppet state uh, with which they can see better trade rights. It, it, we're essentially being America's pawn or puppet to achieve their own global hegemony or, or uh, extend it at the very least, which I think it might be even worse than if they were doing it all themselves because they're dragging us along for the ride and it seems for the most part like we're unaware of what's happening like we don't fully understand the fact that we've sort of been taken for a fool and being used for nothing but america's benefit i think it's worse because i don't think it's blind on the part of politicians in this country they often invoke the idea of a special relationship you know so it's not a sort of unknown thing it's actually celebrated and if that is a special relationship then it's an abusive relationship do you know what i mean because we have no say in the foreign policy of America, of course, why would we? But mm -hmm. they have a controlling they have a controlling share in our foreign policy. And as you said, it, this isn't just a case of some old guys uh, waving their fist like, oh, Americanization, don't my McDonald's or my jeans or anything. These are people dying as a result of the Americanization of foreign policy. Conflicts that do not concern Britons at all. And yet, British soldiers behind America are usually the highest casualties. Exactly, and I think that really shows just how um, wide Americanization is, and it shows a lot of the dangers of it, because it's easy to sit and talk about TV and media and get into a rut and be distracted by it, but it is, it is very all-consuming. And yeah, going back to what you were talking about with the, with the special relationship, um, you know, it, it touches on the economic dependence. Uh, and I think that is, is really uh, the point at which we get strangled by America. That, that's what pins us into their, their cultural and political influence um, because we are economically dependent on America. Uh, and that is a product of overpopulation. By that, I mean we are dependent on foreign manufacturing, goods, etc., because we are not able to produce enough for the population which we currently have. Um, we could stem this with increased trade with Europe, which I'm definitely in favor of. But uh, as we touched on the last episode slightly with consumerism, uh, we're going to keep having to import uh, a lot of our acquisition of natural resources and manufacturing to either third world countries or, or to American manufacturing. Oftentimes, American manufacturing being the ones running these companies in these third world nations. So it all sort of links back in where we've created a system where we can potentially identify the fact that we've become America's puppet pawn 
uh, culturally, politically, whatever else. But because of the the economic uh, coughs we have, we are in very little situation to do anything about it. Because if we immediately just said, no, America, we don't want anything to do with you, we're not going to, you know, go intervene in your wars, X, Y, and Z. If we weren't having that, quote-unquote, special relationship with America, it would be massively damaging to our economy. Um, and people would suffer as a result. Do you think that America would actually stop trading with us if we refused to join a war that they had engaged in the Middle East? Potentially not. Uh, directly, I don't think it would be as black and white as that, but I do think um, you can see that when people do try to sort of shut out American influence, uh, America takes note of it. And if that keeps happening and you keep pushing in the other direction or dragging your heels, then uh, that quote-unquote special relationship does start to dwindle. I think you would see that. So I pulled up um, an article in preparation for this because I was reading it the other day. Um, essentially, there's there's been a new deal proposed by Trump um, to to the UK where uh, it's it's a NATO renewal. So they're wanting to essentially create more steps to prevent against uh, you know quote unquote Iranian aggression. But tied into that, there is trade elements. So you can see that. For them, military conflicts and economics are linked. Uh, and, and as well, in, in a lot of Trump speeches, you hear him talking about things like, you know, people paying their fair share. That's talking about people economically paying into NATO. And of course, we should be having um, a military and we should be paying it and funding it properly. Uh, but it's, it shouldn't be at the whims of what Americans deem we should be paying. Um, we need to pay for what we need, not for what America needs. But no, I think in in America, and and the American politicians' mindsets, trade and uh, military dependency, are are intrinsically linked from every stage up. If it would be so immediate as if we said no, we don't want to join you in a war in Iran, if they'd cut ties, I don't think so. But I think it would sour things and make it a lot harder for us to get this quote unquote special relationship. I think this is the perfect opportunity for America to dig its claws into Britain when we're looking for a new global trading partner, especially if the negotiations with the EU take some more sour turn and we essentially leave the EU on hostile terms yeah. or on unfriendly terms at least. Then, yeah, as you said on that article, where they could demand that we become one of the most energetic, we already are, I think, one of the most energetic members of NATO, but you know, commit even more spending and literally even more lives to the American foreign policy in exchange for economic gain. Yeah, yeah because, because we would have less options. I think that we don't really have another choice if the EU you know, doesn't go well. Um, then, yeah, it's got to be America uh, or China, really. But um, what we need to be doing on a national scale, obviously, is um, to produce our own things. Uh, really focus through tax relief, um, business grants, things like that. Really focus on our own industry. Uh, and once that's stable, then start to distance ourselves from America. Um, but obviously that structure needs to be in place first. And in the meantime, then we are going to have to sort of let America dig its claws into us for a little bit yeah. longer. I think it is, it is a sort of reality of the situation. Not something we can really easily escape. 
there are you know alternatives we could look to trading more with um you know commonwealth countries specifically anzac so australia new zealand canada um or even south africa you know past historic trading partners who we can have a really great relationship with but of course they'll never fill the gap that the eu is going to leave if relationships do turn sour or that america will fill but no, I, I don't think it is a, a permanent issue. I think it is something we can we can work away from. But we need to look towards an economic alternative. Just trying to do things by the American model uh, and remaining, um, you know, under the illusion that we can keep going with this constant growth of um, of wealth. This is our opportunity to walk away from that. It's our opportunity to look for alternative uh, economic direction outside of the previously explored models. Um, I don't know if the government will be brave enough to do that and if it will be brave enough to not be beholden to American interests to do that. But looking to, to other countries, political and um, economic models in this time, I think is, is something that's totally possible as, as we do try to slowly shift away and, and stabilize after Brexit. I do think it's something that's possible in the future, but I am worried, I'm convinced actually, that politicians in the short term will take up this trade deal because they don't want to have egg on their face, basically. You know, they don't want Brexit to, they don't want to trip, basically, on the withdrawal from the EU. So they'll take any deal they can get. And it's not really a change of the status quo for them, anyway. Yeah. It's far too easy to jump back onto America's lap. The benefit of Brexit is that it opens so many doors and it has thrust us out of the EU's influence and into America's uh, more strongly. Um, but I don't think that has to be the case forever. There's lots we can actually do about Americanization. There's lots we can actually do about our own economic situation. You know, we might even touch on economics in a separate podcast episode. But just raising awareness of America's, uh, Americanization, talking about it, discussing its, its dangers um, here and throughout Europe uh, is something that I think long term will set the direction, you know, in the opposite way. I mean, you can already see that the EU is trying to become more independent. And I, I'm wholly for European cooperation. I think we should be trading lots with Europe. Uh, I don't think that needs to necessarily be through the EU and the political implications of that trade relationship. But, you know, increasing our ties with Europe and going our own third way is, is the way forward. And I think that sentiment is growing slowly. And I think Brexit will sort of shunt us so far towards America that there might be a, or I hope there'll be a knee-jerk reaction back in the other way. Yeah, it really is an open door and we could go a number of ways. So I think that's when groups such as us really come to the fore, hopefully, and shape the destiny of the country. But I think uh, it's hard for groups like ours or any group or any person to talk about this issue without seeming a bit um, mental, basically. I mean, look at veganism. Um, they came across as too political, um, telling people about animal cruelty and things. And when you can't see it for yourself, um, it's hard to believe. So vegans are now stigmatized, you know, in, in all pop culture and things, vegans are stigmatized as um, annoying, picky, ungrounded. And we could come across the same way if we ranted on about how America is... Um, you know, replacing our culture with theirs, how there's too much American media, how they're leading our foreign policy. Even though it's all true, um, the way we talk about it has to be very specific. Um, and it's got to be a similar approach for how we respond to Americanization within the UK.
Um, for example, it wouldn't be realistic that we say, okay, everyone needs to stop eating McDonald's now because it comes from America. I mean, McDonald's is probably one of the most eaten foods in the country. Um, I mean, there's so many, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, that's just not going to happen. Um, personally, I don't um, because of the fast food aspect, because of the globalism aspect and because of the uh, environmental and Americanization aspects as well. Um, but I don't think it's realistic that we can ask other people to do the same. Some people take it too far, in my opinion, in, term, in the sense that they become almost anti-American as like a sort of reflexive reaction to Americanization. And, you know, sometimes this comes across in really novel and insignificant things like the UK office versus the US office. But it's where the sort of classic, oh, those Yanks ideology comes from. That's not at all what we're talking about. There's not even... I would say a hostile intent from Americanization, as you, as we said earlier. I think that it's just a natural phenomenon, and it's more to do with the weakness and lack of an English culture at the moment, rather than some evil, as you said, Patrick Cabal, imposing this on Europe. So I think it's really a internal problem that we need to address. Yeah, by no means are we wanting people to start getting up on the rooftops and start screaming "Death to America." Uh, but I think it's it's really important that we do raise awareness of the issues, the dangers. And I think from that perspective, as long as we are dealing with the issues intact, um, being careful about the way that we say things and the issues that we present and not making it, or not making a big deal out of minutia, like, you know, stop eating McDonald's now. Um, yeah. but, but talk about, you know, the, the major things like, you know, the political, the war, and the economic elements of Americanization. And I think the cultural elements of Americanization, just like you said, Ethan, uh, is really to do with the fact that we don't have much ourselves. Um, And I think the best way to see that is to just start to produce more, encourage local businesses, encourage local film producers, encourage, you know, small restaurants, small chains. You know, if if you shop local, if you buy local, it all feeds back up into this this problem, or to the solution to this problem, rather. wherein you're you're creating a counterculture to to this Americanization um, in a very, very real sense as well, economically. Absolutely. I mean, if there's no alternative, people can't make the switch. Yeah, if there's no vacuum, then um, America's not going to have a gap to fill. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like we're telling you to not go to McDonald's. We're just telling you to go to Greg's instead. <laughs> Although if they keep raising the price of their meal deals, I might change that stance. But um, yeah, episode seven. <laughs> that's all I've got to say for this episode. Have you guys got anything else to add? Uh, no, I think finishing on Greg's uh, pretty much rounds it off. <laughs> yeah, perfect ending. Be sure to follow us on social media, such as Facebook and Instagram, at Local Matters ENG, and check out our website, thelocalist.org. And if you're feeling generous give us a donation at paypal.me forward slash local matters. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.